Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Um, but it really is amazing to, to be here this evening and um, on that youth camp we had a, a lot of fun, we had a lot of laughing, we had a, a lot of Lee singing songs and it was amazing, but we, we did also see God do some incredible things and after the first night we, uh, uh, some guys shared, we worshipped together and at the end we did a, an altar call and, and what that means if you're new to church is we gave people an opportunity to give their lives to Christ. And one, a couple of young people put up their hands and, and we prayed with them afterwards. And, and one of those young ladies is a, a young lady by the name of Pearl Ninpanhing. That's how you say her surname. It's, it's challenging. Where is Ollie here tonight? Not here. Studying. Um, Ollie is becoming a dentist. It's, he is her older brother is, and is on youth leadership here at Life Changes. And he came to me that night and he said to me, my sister got saved tonight and she wants to know when she can get baptized. And I don't know about you, but when someone says that to me, I get incredibly excited. Because the Bible says in Luke 15, in the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens rejoice when people come to know Jesus. There is a party in heaven when people come to know Jesus. And what I've always found quite profound is when we often talk about salvation, people stare at me quite blankly. But if you are a Christian and you know Jesus, that should be the most exciting thing that you hear in your day. Um, and yes, we can get excited about that. Um, and so what I really want to say to you tonight, and, and so in light of that, and I was just praying and, and going, I want to preach on something, and I just felt to preach on salvation. And for many of you, you might be wondering, well, for some of you, you might be walking in here tonight and going, I don't know what that is. Church is very new to me. And I pray that by the end of this evening, you would have a picture of how incredible our Savior named Jesus is. And I want to, and then on the other hand, those who are believers in Christ, I would love this evening to call you to something great. Because I believe that when we understand salvation, when we get what this thing is and means, and by no means am I saying that I will give you the entire narrative of what salvation is, but tonight I will attempt to almost uh, uh, put a, a one toe in the ocean of God's grace and go, this is a little bit of what it looks like. And when I was 16 years old, um, I want to tell a little bit of my story. When I was 16 years old, I walked into, uh, no, I was 14 years old. I walked into a, um, a, a, I came to Cape Town, made some friends at school, and they kept saying to me, come to youth, come to youth, come to youth. And so in true style, as a 14-year-old, I went to youth. My motive was not to meet Jesus. My motive was to meet girls. Um, I hope that's okay. Am I the only one? Okay, that's fine. Um, but uh, really, me and a couple of my friends said, we, there are a lot of pretty girls at youth, so we're going. And so we, uh, we put on our snazzy pants, as one does, and we uh, headed off to youth, and we gelled our hair in, in, in fine fashion, and we put on our terrible sunglasses. And when you look at photos back then, you realize how stupid you actually looked. But at the time, we thought we were very cool. And we arrived at youth, and I remember I was wearing my cousin's jeans because I had recently moved down from Cape Town, and I thought, well, he's older, he's got cool jeans, but the problem with your older cousin is his jeans are often bigger than you are, and so I went to the front, and all of a sudden, there was this strange group of people, if I may, um, jumping up and down in the front while a guy was on a keyboard singing songs. 
I was like, wow, this is very interesting. And then for some strange reason, I just like, you know, it's something that happens where you're just like, you're bobbing and you don't really understand. I don't know how to do this. I'm it's very strange. And then I was, wow, what, what is going on here? And eventually I started to jump, and thankfully I was at the back. Because on about the sixth jump, my pants came off. And I was like, no, back up. No more jumping during worship. I bought a belt from that day. But I remember going into, and I've told this story before, but I remember going into that place and seeing something that I desired in my heart. Seeing something of a group of people that were not perfect, that did not have everything together, but I looked at them and I said, there is something special here, and I need to have this thing that I am seeing. And so I began a journey of connecting with guys and meeting with a youth pastor. We were going through a a tough time, myself and my mom. My dad lives in Joburg, and we were going through a rough kind of financial period and a bunch of things, and I was under a bit of pressure. And so I started to chat to him, and, and at the end of the conversation, it was kind of like, well, actually, I don't have an answer for you. You need Jesus. And I want to say to you that you can endeavor to find every self-help book in the world. You can ask every guru imaginable, every person you respect, how do I fix my life? But I want to say to you the only answer that is true is that you need Jesus. And I know that might be a bold statement, and I know that might be potentially not what you came here to hear tonight, but actually you need Jesus. And at the end of that conversation, I landed, okay, and so I started going to youth, I started going to church, I started to understand what this thing was, I got involved with a youth ministry that Gabe started to lead when he first came down from Durban, and he suffered me for some strange reason, I was very weird as a 16-year-old, haven't really changed much, Um, and so tonight I really want to look at something that is very dear to my heart, because I, I didn't grow up in church, and when I came to know Christ, it totally transformed me. When I came to know Jesus, it totally transformed me. I made some radical decisions because I saw the face of Jesus. And so tonight, what I'd love to do is is kind of delve into this a little bit. And my key scripture for this evening is in Colossians 2, verse 6, and it it should be on the screen. Um, But it goes like this. It says, therefore, as you received, there we go, therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive, next bit, there we go, through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than Christ. And I'm going to end there, but actually, something so key in this text, it says this, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And I remember the first time I read this text because I felt God say to me that, Tyler, sometimes you need to go back to the beginning. Sometimes you need to go back to what that that feeling, that reality, that revelation of Jesus at that moment when you came to know him. Because I believe that we do not graduate from salvation. We live in the power of Christ. And sometimes when you spend a period of time in church, you can start to feel like you are graduating from that thing. But actually, we do not graduate from salvation. We live in the saving power of Christ. We do not understand salvation and then move on to the next thing. It is the thing from which everything flows. The entire narrative of Scripture is a crescendo to this one thing that we would find salvation through Christ alone. The entire Bible, 
the stories, the, the people's lives that it speaks of, the, all of these things are this build up to this climax of Jesus dying on a cross and rising again so that we may come back to know God. That is the point. And I really believe that we need to get back to a space where we are convinced and we are enamored with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because I want to tell you tonight, you do not deserve it, but he gave it. And when you don't deserve something, but someone gives it to you, you grab hold of it with everything you have. And I really, really trust that after this evening, you would catch something of this. And so tonight, I want to present you with three pictures of salvation. And like I said, they are not the entire picture, but they are three pictures that I believe are incredibly helpful when we engage with this reality of the saving work of Jesus Christ. The first picture is a gift. And um, this is a, an amazing picture. There's a scripture in John 3:16. It says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. I'm going to read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We understand by looking at scripture that we serve a lavish, generous father. We serve a father, and for many of you, you might think of God as this, as angry, as a disciplinarian, as you better do what I say you must do type God. I want to say to you that the scriptures, which we hold onto with everything in us because we believe it is the word of God, and it is a power to transform us, the word of God shows us that we serve a lavish, generous father. And if we serve a lavish, generous father then salvation, Christ on the cross, is God's greatest display of generosity. And the greatest display of generosity you will ever see. Christ crucified and resurrected for my salvation is the greatest display of generosity we will ever know. And it was given by a Father that loves us. It was given by a Father that loves us. And I believe there are two key things that we must understand about this gift of salvation is number one, and this is so key and I'm so passionate about it, it is freely given. I'm going to say that again, it is freely given. No measure of performance, good work, helpful acts, kindness, giving to this charity, doing this thing, no measure of that can acquire you the gift of salvation because it is freely given by God. The only prerequisite the word gives us is that we must believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. It is a gift given freely. A gift, as we imagine, is a, by its very nature freely given. I want to say to you that if someone gives you something for doing something for them, you know, you borrow them your car and they arrive with a, a box of chocolates. I want to say to you that is not a gift. They are paying you. That is what that is. It's like it's this reality of, oh, I have received something, and so now I get something back. Or I have done something, and so now I get something back. And I, I think sometimes we process salvation and Jesus like that. Yeah. We go, as long as I behave a certain way, then he will give me this gift. Or he will bless me, or he will pour his favor upon me. But actually, the Bible says that it is a gift freely given. Nothing that we, can, we do can get us this gift. 
Just a quick story. Like I said, I am getting married in four months. It is incredibly exciting, incredibly scary, and incredibly expensive. That's the reality of a wedding. Can I get an amen to everyone who's married in the house? Very good. So we've got a budget, you know, the XL with the no function. I don't know how to do those things, but it's, there's an XL, and it's got the budget on it. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got a, um, a job doing some coffee stuff. I installed a coffee machine for some guys, which was really cool. And I earned some extra money off this, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. Very uh, chuffed about it. Put it towards the wedding budget. And then I got a call from a friend of mine, and so even though I got that for the wedding budget, it doesn't quite match up yet, but we're getting there. Um, and I got a call from a friend of mine, and he said, uh, they, he said hey, I'd love for you to come around. Um, we want to give you something. And I walked into his lounge, and we chatted, and we, we mates with him, and I walked into his lounge, and he handed me an envelope, and inside that envelope was 3,500 rand. And I want to say tonight that you can work hard for something. You can try and attain something, but the blessing and favor when something is freely given is incredible. Because actually I walked into his house and I did nothing for that bucks. I didn't deserve it, but he gave it because he was generous. How much more our Father in heaven. How much more our Father in heaven who gives good gifts. We serve a generous God. Number one, we did the opposite of what we were supposed to do, yet God still gives us this gift. It's incredible. Number one, it is freely given. Number two, it is perfect. The gift of salvation is perfect. Everybody loves a re-gift. You know when one of your family members, they give you that t-shirt and you're like, ooh, that's very orange. And you're like, I'm not sure. Ah, no, but you, wear, you know you wear it on Christmas Day. Because they've given it to you for Christmas. So you walk in and you go, it's very nice. And you make sure you put extra deodorant on. Because you know you're going to put it back in the packet and give it to somebody else. Yeah. Let's be honest, guys. This is this church. And so, uh, and you know, you get that gift and it's like, you're like, you're grateful. You smile. It's just smile. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you get it and you're like, this is so nice. And then you like, smell it. And you're like, wow, that's very stay softy. It's like, wow, they've washed it. They've washed it, but it's new. They bought it for me. And then you realize that you've been regifted. You've been given the t-shirt that they do not want, but they think that you want. And let's be honest, you put it back in the packet and you give it to the next guy. And that t-shirt's going around the world. But actually, it is this average gift. It's not, you're not that excited about it. You're not too sure what you're going to do about it. You're like, doesn't really serve its function. I want to tell you that the gift of salvation fulfills its function perfectly. There is no flaw, no defect, no mistake in this gift. There is no area in which it fails, no dark corner that it misses. It is perfect because our God is completely perfect. I want to say to you that there is no corner that he missed. There is no sin that it did not cover. There is no evil that it did not defeat. There is no freedom that it did not give. There is no life that it did not pour out. Thank you, Gaps. And I, re I believe that so passionately, guys. The salvation of Christ is completely perfect. Number one, it is a gift. Number two, it is a fortress. Psalm 18, verse 2, it'll be on the screen behind me, says this. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And if we can go to the next slide, 
I love the, uh, uh, there's a great website called Unsplash where you can get these images off. Very nice. Very nice. But actually, I look at that and what do I see? I see something very high. I see something very safe. I see something very lavish. And I see something completely impregnable. It is this fortress. And the salvation of Christ, number one, is a gift, but it is a safe place for those who are in Christ. I want to say to you that we live in a world that is very unsafe. We live in a world that will knock at your door, that will break down your efforts, that will rip you down, that sin is this thing that completely decimates us. But actually, the saving grace of Jesus Christ is this fortress. I want to say to you, it's not this bunker that you just jump into to get safe for a little while. It's like, oh, I'm dodging the bombs. You know, the world's throwing the bombs at me and I'm just dodging it. No, it is a fortress. And if you've ever watched a great epic movie like Lord of the Rings, you will know there is always a castle that nobody can get into. And they're all in that castle. And you feel really sorry for the guys that are outside of that castle. But I want to say to you that the saving power of Jesus Christ is like that fortress. It is a place that cannot be penetrated by the enemy. And Jesus rips us out of darkness. He brings us back to himself in his presence and places us in a position of safety, which is this fortress. No one can get to it. But he also places us in a position of strength. And I want to say to you that the salvation in Jesus is a strong standpoint. And so often I see this reality that when the winds come, and I'm guilty of this, when the winds come and the waves come, Christians crumble. And I honestly don't believe that it's because you made a mistake or you made a bad decision. Sometimes life happens. But when we understand that the saving grace of Jesus is a strong fortress, we stand firm. The Bible uses, and that scripture uses the word, my rock. It is this thing that does not move. And when we place ourselves upon it, no matter what waves, what armies, what realities hit us, we are in a place that is completely and totally strong. How do we know this? The Bible says that if He is for us, nothing can be against us. We know that He is almighty. That means nothing can be against Him. And so if we are seated in heavenly places, we do not have to run from situations or fear the world, but actually we know that He is almighty and He has got everything covered. If He is for us, and who could be against us? And, and I pray as I speak now, I pray that you are starting to see the beautiful picture that is salvation in Christ. It is a gift given freely. It is a completely and totally safe place. And I believe that the only time that this safe place is penetrated is when we allow the enemy to lie to us. Because actually God designed it perfectly. There is no fault. There is no failing. The bricks are perfect. The strength is perfect. Everything is perfect, but then we believe the lie of the enemy. And many of you may have heard the story of Troy. Um, and it's, there's a great movie with a very handsome Brad Pitt in it with his golden hair. Um, go watch it, gentlemen, ladies, not allowed. Um, but actually, it tells the story of how the Greeks were on uh, at the city, this fortress named Troy. And they were on at the walls of Troy. And the movie doesn't really do it justice. They were at the walls trying to break through this barrier for 10 years. Can you imagine for 10 years standing outside a city trying to get in and failing every time? Can I tell you 
that when we are in the power of Christ, that is the enemy's reality. He can try forever. He will never get in. But then a very clever general came up with an idea. He said, let's, put a, let's build a wooden horse. Let's put it in front of the gates and let's sail away. And what happens, the, uh, the soldiers of Troy think, oh, they've left, we've won, this must be a gift. And so they open the doors, the horse goes in, in the quiet of night, men come out of the horse, they go open the gates, and Troy is defeated. And I believe that often the things of the world that we often think are, think are gifts are actually the things that bring destruction and take our eyes off Jesus. Can I tell you, your house is a blessing, sir or ma'am, but it is not Jesus. And when we take our eyes off the giver and we start to look at the things, we start to realize that actually those are the things that start to trip us up. I want to say to you that God has designed a future for you. Don't let those Trojan horses become your reality. Don't let them become the thing you grip onto so quickly. You can imagine 10 years, it's been a siege, it's been tough, guys have been struggling, but actually they see one gap and they go, oh, I'm going to grab for that gap. And Gabe put it so beautifully this morning, actually we don't stretch for the things of this world, stretch for Jesus and hold on for dear life because his salvation is more glorious than you could ever imagine. And I truly believe that, uh, that uh, is a, it's, I think it's a great analogy of that, but actually I think so often... We get caught with those Trojan horses. And I believe that for every person in this room, you are potentially needing to identify the Trojan horse that is entering into your fortress, your salvation gifted to you by Jesus, and wreaking havoc. And actually trust God again, grip onto Jesus, and let him bring freedom and life in that area. That is who our Jesus is. Number one, it's a gift. Number two, it's a fortress. And number three, it's a launch pad. One of my favorite scriptures in the book of Timothy, it goes like this. First of all, then, I urge, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Point number one, salvation is a gift. It's this thing given to us freely by Jesus through his saving, finished work on the cross. Number two, it's a safe place, a gift by God, a safety, a place of strength. But then number three, it's a launch pad. And I think so many believers get, they start a gift and that's incredible. They get into the fortress and that's incredible, but they never see the launch pad. And so we live in this bunker down Christianity. This, I'm going to protect what I have. I'm going to keep my friendships. I'm going to attend church every week. But actually, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ calls us to reckless, abandoned faith in Jesus. It calls us to run into the trenches of this world and fight for the lives of people. Why? Because Jesus wants everyone to know him. And I believe that tonight, God wants to show us as a people... That this is not purely just a gift or, and a fortress, but it is a launch pad. Christ does not simply save us for safety, but he saves us to impact the world. Yeah. And I want to ask you this evening, sir or ma'am, what is your launch pad and where is it sending you? Maybe it's sending you into your school. Maybe it's sending you into your workplace. 
Maybe it's sending you into your family situation. But I believe that God has got a launch pad called salvation for each and every one of us that we have the power of Christ inside us to impact the world. That is what salvation does. It, 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 it fills me with the love and power of Christ to the extent that I cannot help but burst forth and share Jesus with people. If I think of a launch pad, if you've ever watched any of those uh, moments of Apollo 11 and Apollo 13 and all of these things, a launch pad is filled with two things. Lots of power, there's a lot of rocket fuel in there, and a lot of potential. And I think many believers in Jesus are filled with a lot of power and a lot of potential. But often we do not see that potential come out. Why? Because we're bunkering down. And I want to say to you that we, we know, we have the gift, we have the safe place. It's time to trust God with the power of the Holy Spirit that He's placed in you, the potential that He has designed for you, and go forth and take some risks in Jesus. Because that is the response to the salvation that Jesus has so kindly given us. Can I ask the band to come up? And I believe that tonight God is wanting to, to stretch us. God is wanting to, to pull us into the more that He has for us. And I, I, I believe that we are called to be shining lights to a broken world. And I want to say that it is only the salvation of Jesus that brings light to darkness. That brings freedom to brokenness. And it would be remiss of me this evening if I did not give the people in this room an opportunity to commit their lives to Christ. And so just as the band begins to play, can I ask that every eye be closed? Just out of respect and giving people an opportunity. In Acts 4.12 it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which to be saved. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. And so, Father, as we are in this room now and we have spoken of your great salvation, I pray, Father, that you would start to work now in people's hearts. I thank you, God, that you, you're ministering right now to people. The Bible says that in order for us to receive this great salvation, we'd have to do two very simple things. The one is believe in our heart. And the second is confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you will receive the saving power of Christ, the gift freely given. And so tonight I would love to give an opportunity for the people in this room to commit their lives to Christ. If you have never made a commitment to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I would ask that you would raise your hand. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it back down. It's just an indicator. And then I'd love to pray for us. So Father, right now, would you call your sons and daughters home? If you have never committed your life to Christ, would you raise your hand in one, two, three? Thank you. Thank you. Can we pray together? Father, I pray right now that you would come and grip the hearts of those people. Thank you, Jesus, that when one comes to salvation, your angels rejoice in heaven, God. Yeah, thank you, 
Thank you, God, that when one comes to salvation, your angels rejoice in heaven, God. And so I pray right now, Father, as those people stand, have risen their hands, I pray, God, that you would lead them now, Father. As they ask for forgiveness of their sins, I pray that the saving power of Christ would pour into their lives as they have responded in faith to you, Jesus. Thank you, God. What I'd love for us to do now is we are going to sing together. But can I ask us to stand? And I want to pray for us. And then we're going to sing one song. And if you would be so bold and comfortable, can I ask you just to raise your hands to Jesus? Father, in this moment right now, I pray not through wise words, but through the power of your Spirit. Would you show us who you are, Jesus. Would you show us the power and freedom and life of your salvation, God. I pray for each and every person in this room, God, that your power would pour into them, Father. And I pray for a revelation moment, God, that you would show them the great gift that is your salvation, Jesus. I pray right now, Father, that they would see the power of you crucified and you resurrected, Jesus. Thank you that death is broken and we have life forevermore because of your saving work, Jesus Christ. And as we sing now, God, I pray that you would do a deep work in the people in this room, Father. Let's worship together.